praise team. Good morning, church. Ah, you're awake. That's good with the second service. I like it. You know, it's an honor to be able to be back in the pulpit here and preach and share with you. It's what an honor it is. And uh, I have to admit that uh, I think they're a little worried about me when I come back. And Dick, when he asked me, it was about a week and a half ago, and he says, you know, I, I apologize for asking you at the last moment. And I'm thinking, a week and a half? Wow, that's not a last moment. And I'm thinking, you know, if you asked me an hour ago, that would be the last moment. <laughs> and by the way, Dick, if you ever need somebody within an hour, let me know. All right. <laughs> what am I doing next week, right? <laughs> you know, it is an honor to, to get to be here. Usually, and, and I, I average preaching at this church now that I'm retired once a year. And usually it's in August, and usually it's on the Sunday that the church leaves to go to camp. <laughs> and I was thinking about that, what, what the meaning of that was, and it was one of two things I figured it out. One, they figured if half the church goes to camp, I can only pollute the other half. You know, that may be the, the main reason. The other, I, whenever they go to camp, there's just one service. And they're thinking, you know, he's old, he's retired, he probably can't stand up there for two services. And after the first service, I went and sat down out in the narthex, and it felt good to sit down. So, Art, you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, you would. You know, it's, it's fun to be back, and it was fun to see your daughter come running up and saying whatever she said to mom and granddaughter. And I, I can remember the first church I was a pastor in, and um, we put our daughter in the nursery, and you got to understand there were about 50 people in the church, and we had a nursery that had one child, and that was our daughter. And always partway through the service, we'd do a children's message. And so there I was sitting on the steps with a few of the children, and here comes my daughter in. She's running down. She must have been three years old, four years old. She's running down the middle aisle and says, wait for me, Daddy, wait for me. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, that's sweet. So here we are. We are in a series. Did you know we're in a series? You know what book that we're doing in that series? Oh, I love you. You know, just to help you out here, we're in a four-week series in the book of Psalms. Now, I don't know how you do four weeks in Psalms when there's, what, 150 Psalms? But they're in a four-week series, and I, I hate to admit it, my sermon is not in Psalms. But you didn't know we were in Psalms anyway, so it doesn't matter. But just to be kosher here, Oh, I guess I don't have to be kosher, do I? <laughs> Just to be kosher here, I'm going to read to you from Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. And it even kind of ties into my message. For it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. I've been to Psalms. I've done what I'm supposed to in the book of Psalms. By the way, Dick did say we're in Psalms and our, 
Our theme is, anybody know the theme for this uh, four-week series? Amazing. Very good. One person knew that. Well, we'll get to amazing, too, so don't worry about that. But Dick said, if you don't want to, you can preach on whatever you want. And I thought, good, I'm going to. And, and I, I have to share with you, um, I stole this sermon, by the way. I, I, I'm only telling you that because, oh, a couple months ago, maybe even three, when I was down in Arizona, the church we go to, the pastor preached from the uh, book of Joshua. And... Uh, I thought, that's a great sermon. And I said to the Lord, Lord, if I get to preach again, I'm going to preach the same sermon. So I think it's all right because I got to preach again, so I'm going to preach the sermon that this pastor preached. He did a great job. I don't think I can do as good a job, but at least you'll get the gist of the whole thing. So as we go into the book of Joshua, we're going to begin first with a passage from Deuteronomy. And you're, you're probably getting kind of concerned now. He said, well, wait, Psalms, Joshua, Deuteronomy, what are you doing anyway? Well, you should be concerned because we're going to be in a few places this morning. But I, I want you to see the passage that uh, is going to be on the screen there. And it comes from, where does it say? <laughs> yeah, you can almost see it there, can't you? Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verses 1 and 2. And, and why do I go there? The reason I go there is, having sat in church out in the congregation for lots of years now, I realize that your mind only is with me for a little while. That you're here for a little bit, and then in a little bit you won't be here. You'll be wondering what the mariners are doing, or how's that roast doing, or where are we going to go out to eat after uh, church, or, oh, my feet hurt, or, you know, whatever it might be. So I'm going to give you the gist of the message with this passage from Deuteronomy. So all of you out there, pay attention for about 30 seconds, okay? And then if you need to drift off, you're, you're free to drift off. <laughs> See, Dick and Kurt won't give you that privilege. I, I, I don't care if you listen to me or not. Chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. If you fully obey your, the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give to you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if, what does it say? If you obey the Lord your God amazing. See, I did it. You got Psalms, you got amazing. But look at the gist. What's the point here? Obey. Obey. If you obey the Lord your God. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Now, having said that, those of you who have grandchildren, or if you think back to your own children, there have been times when they needed a timeout, right? You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes they're the one that needs a timeout. Sometimes you need them to have a timeout because you need a timeout. 
you with me on that? You understand where I'm going with that. Sometimes, wives, it's your husband who needs a timeout, right? And husbands, sometimes it's your wife who needs a timeout. But any good coach will call a timeout just at the right time, just when they see that the team is getting off track of what they're supposed to be doing, or, or maybe when, when they really are playing bad and something has to change. And so they'll call timeout, timeout. One of my favorite timeouts is found in a movie called Remember the Titans. Let's watch this clip. <laughs> Hey, Mr. Fisher. Mr. Fisher, can I talk to you for a second? Back off, coach, if you want to stay in this game. I've got holding on 78 white. What are you? Are you trying to cheat my boys out the game? 15 more yards. Listen, let them play, ref. Let them play. Let them play. Let the boys play. Cheater. Coach, come on. Cheater. Go, 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 go! Go, five, three. Go, five, three. Go, I know all about it, Titus. What are you talking about, Bill? You call this game fair, or I'll go to the papers. I don't care if I go down with you, but before God, I swear I'll see every last one of you thrown in jail. You dig your own grave. Defense on me! Okay, Petey, don't you drift to the strong side. Coach, they're calling a holding penalty on me every time. Did I ask for your excuses? You want to act like a star? You better give me a star effort, do you hear me? Forget about him. Alan, you're in. Come on. All right. Now, I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. And if they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. You want to make yourself comfortable down there, real comfortable. <laughs> Now, I know you're saying right now, can't we watch the rest of that? And you can just sit down and it'll all be cool because you already got the gist of the message, don't you? Sorry, <laughs> it's my time. I'm preaching. You know, God calls timeouts for us too. Do you realize that? And, and you may not want to admit it, and I don't want to admit it. We need timeouts, don't we? Because sometimes along the way, along the journey, we lose focus. 
Sometimes we, we just stray away from the path that we need to be walking upon. Is that right? You understand what I'm saying here? We're going to look at some situations here in Joshua and uh, also in 1 Kings about where timeouts were needed, where God had to get the people, the Israelites, back on track. Now, I understand that uh, you had a series in the book of Joshua, but I know you don't even know what the series is this week. So you aren't going to remember what was preached in Joshua. But I, I want us to go back and see something that took place there. First of all, in, uh, in uh, Joshua chapter 6, we have Jericho. Now, you know the story. Whether you were here on that day when the sermon was preached or not, you know what happened in Jericho. That the fortified walls, it was a strong city. There was no way they were going to win there. And yet... God said, what you go and do is you march around the city how many times? Seven. And on the seventh time around, what do you do? You blow your trumpets. And when you do that, the walls will come tumbling down and you take the city of Jericho. So the people go and they walk around seven times and on the seventh time they blow the trumpets, the walls fall down and the Israelites are victorious. By the way, God gave another instruction at that time. He said, you know, when you do this and when you go and when you're victorious against these people of Jericho, you are to leave everything there. Don't take any plunder. Don't take anything, any of the resources that they have, none of the gold, nothing. You leave it there. Well, let's go forward then to the next chapter, to chapter 7. And in chapter 7, we see them approaching Ai. Now, I'm going to show the map right now just so you can see what's going on here. You can see here we have the people, and for how many years did they wander in the wilderness? 40 years. So they're going here in the wilderness, in the wilderness, they're wandering, they're spending time, they're doing things that are not right, they're wandering, they're wandering. They come up here, they go up here, they wander some more. Can you see that? They wander some more, they come down here. You know, this is not any small feat. There are two million Israelites who are doing this. And so they get down here, they're still in the wilderness, so they go up here, and they're here, and then they get right here, and then it is time to enter into the promised land. So here we have them crossing the Jordan. They come, and the first place they come to is Jericho. We've already talked about Jericho. They did what God said. They defeated the city, the fortress of Jericho, and then it's time to come to Ai. So they go from Jericho up here to Ai, and then there are some other instructions. A timeout. You guys were at Jericho. Now you're going to go to Ai. You go and take Ai. But if you were to read this passage there in Joshua chapter 7, we see that Joshua sent people in to spy out, to see what was there, to see what it would take. And they come back and they say, you know, no big deal, not a problem. Just take 3,000 men and go and take the city. 
So Joshua sends 3,000 men in to take the city. You remember what happens? They're beat. They are chased back and they run away from the soldiers at Ai. And there were just a few men, 26, 36 men who were killed. So we, we read there in chapter 7 that uh, they were discouraged. I mean, wouldn't you be discouraged? If you'd gone in and you thought the Lord was leading you and here you'd just beaten the mighty city of Jericho and then you're going against the smaller city of Ai and if you were looking at Joshua chapter 7, uh, verse 5, it says that this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Verse 6, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord remaining there till evening. And the elders did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. It was time for a timeout, wasn't it? These people were down. They'd lost their focus. They didn't know what was going on. They defeated Jericho. Why were they not able to defeat Ai? So Joshua is with the Lord. And the Lord says to him, you know, there was a problem here. You were told to go in and march around, and then on the seventh time when the trumpet sounds, take the city, and you did. But what else did I tell you to do? Do you remember? What did I say? Leave everything there. Don't take any of the spoils. And God says to Joshua here, but you were sinful. You went against what I told you to do. So Joshua said, well, okay, let's find out who did that. So they bring in all the tribes, they bring in all the families, they narrow it down to one tribe, one family, and they find the family that took plunder and hid it. Well, they were to punish them, they did, and then God said to him, okay, here's the next plan. What you are to do, by the way, let me stop there. Not only did they go against God in taking the plunder, but remember that Joshua sent spies in there. The spies came back and said, do this, and then they went to do that. The second time, if we were to look at the passage here, what happens is God says to Joshua, now this time, notice who's saying this, it's God this time, I want you to take 30,000 of your troops. I want them to sneak behind the city of Ai in the dark. By the way, how do you sneak 30,000 men behind this city in the dark with nobody knowing about it? They did. So here they have 30,000 men behind the city. And then Joshua is told, then I want you to take the rest of your men. In the morning, I want you to go up to the walls as if you're going to fight. When they open the doors of the city and the men from Ai come streaming out to defeat you again, I want you to start running. Okay? But at a given point, I want you to stop running and turn around and defeat the people of Ai. So here's how it went down. In the morning, the rest of the men came up to the gates. The king of Ai sees them and thinks, these Israelites, these pesky Israelites, don't they know when they're beaten? We've already beat them yesterday, and now they're doing this again. 
So they open the gates of the city. They rush out. They chase the Israelites who are now running. And then all of a sudden, they hear a lot of shouting behind them in the city which they have left. All of a sudden, there's a, uh-oh. And they turn around and they see the city ablaze. And there's a, uh-oh. And then all of a sudden, they see the Israelites who had been running turn around and begin to run at them. Uh-oh. And then the 30,000 who had taken the city, they come out and the people of Ai, the soldiers, are trapped. 30,000 behind them, the rest of the army in front of them, and they're right in the middle and they are throttled. They are defeated. Now, you're supposed to get excited about that. I can tell you're really excited. But the Israelites are victorious. What fun that was for them. Now, what made the difference? What? Yeah. One, they were obedient. They were obedient to what God told them to do. Two, you know, they trusted God. Now, let me take you a little step further. Because there in chapter 7, after they had defeated Ai, we see that then that Joshua led these people 20 miles north to the Shechem Valley, to the pass. And on one side of the valley is Mount Ebal, and the other side is Mount Gerizim. So you got the picture? They march these two million people to this pass, and then on one side, they put a million of the people. On one side, they put the other million. They divide them by the families, the tribes, put them each there. The priests go to the middle of the pass, and then they can shout out to them so both sides can hear. Okay, you with me? You understand the picture. They've just defeated Ai, and Joshua is thinking, you know, it's probably a good time to have another timeout. Because they were defeated at AI and they won at AI, do you think they got the message? So here they go. They are in this pass. The priests are there speaking to them. Joshua is there speaking to them. And uh, what do you think he said? Well, this is where it becomes interesting. And if we had time, we would go back into Deuteronomy and they were told, Moses had told them, when you entered into the promised land, when you defeat these people, then go to this Shechem and tell them this. And it's back in Deuteronomy, and it says exactly, here's what you say. And in first service, I divided the church into the cursed and into the blessed. Okay? And I, I won't do it here because Dick always says I preach too long anyway, so I, I won't do that. I, I do have to share with you, first service, I had somebody keep time to tell me. And they said, the, wait, wait, that's, that's my story, not yours. So, so they kept time, and I was about a third of the way through on my message, and the buzzer went off. <laughs> so I had to go very quickly from there. So notice, I didn't ask anybody to keep time. And secondly, we're not going to do this. 
but in the first service, and it said, you know, cursed are the ones, blah, 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 and then the people are to say, amen. And then blessed are the people who do this, and they say, amen. And it was fun going back and forth. And you can just hear the million people and the million people and the priests in the middle saying, blah, 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 bless, amen, blah, blah, bless, are cursed, amen. I know you really want to do that, but you wouldn't get home in time for lunch. But see, a timeout was needed because Joshua saw what happens when we are not obedient to God. When we don't follow his instruction. By the way, I'm sure this doesn't fit any of you. Do you ever find yourself not obedient to God? I knew. I knew you were so perfect. You know what? I find myself that way all the time. And I know you do too. And yet obedience to him is vital. We talked about, uh, what's the other word we wanted to have here? amazing when we want our life to be amazing it comes down to one thing and that's obedience so here he is sharing before them this has to happen this has to happen and hopefully they got the picture and he points out each of you you million you million it's your choice you decide if you are to follow God or if you are to follow another God. Well, let me go forward a little bit here. And we go then to Joshua 24. You can read this when you get home. But they've conquered the land, and Joshua is about to die. And so he gathers the people once again, and he takes them to, guess where? Shechem. Where were they before with Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal? What was that called? What was that city, that fortress? Shechem. So he takes them back to Shechem, and he says, Time out. I'm about ready to leave you. I'm going to die. And he gives them history in the first 14 verses of chapter 24. And then he goes and says, And yet, then listen to this. And he says, you have a choice to make right now. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve one of the other gods that are out there? Do you realize the choice is the same for us today? <laughs> Not a whole lot has changed in 2,500 years. Do you understand that? Because if Joshua's here today, he would say, okay, my friends, are you going to show or serve the great God, Yahweh, or are you going to follow the human gods of life? What are some of those human gods? Money would be one. What else? What? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Power. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> golf. Did I hear golf? Oh, dang. <laughs> I'm sure that's not one. I don't see that in here at all. <laughs> but you get the point, don't you? He's saying, you decide today, Israelites. You decide whether you are for God or whether you are against God. And, and by the way, you know how we try to get out of that one? 
See, I'm real good at this because I got this all figured out. I figure I just won't make a decision. You know, they can't get me if I don't say, well, I'm for God or I'm for this. I'll just say nothing. You know, the Israelites tried that. It didn't go over real big. Because to not decide to follow God means that you're not following him. That you're following the gods of the world. No, it's like coaching players on a team. And, and it, it's like a coach, like we saw up here, saying, Come on, guys, get with it. Are you going to play or are you just going to sit? If you're not going to play, you are going to be sitting. Joshua's saying, Come on, make a decision. What's going to happen? And you know, in Joshua chapter 24, he says, As for me and my family, what did he say? We will serve the Lord our God. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord our God. And then he points a finger at them and says, what are you going to do? Because you each have a decision. What is that decision going to be today? You can't put it off. You have to decide today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Who are you going to follow? And at the end of chapter 24 there in verses 16 through 18, they say, for us, we will follow the Lord, our God. You see, they made the right choice. One more. Fast forward now 500 years later. We're in 1 Kings chapter 18. And Joshua is long gone. There's a king, King Ahab, who is heading up the Israelites. And anybody know what kind of king Ahab was? Not so good. In fact, that's putting it mildly. The Bible says that he was evil beyond any that they had had before. Okay, you, you got this picture. And, and with this, he was ruling and, and he had all of these prophets of these other gods. The prophets of Baal. And there were 450 and then there was this other god and he had 400 prophets there. And Elijah comes along and there had been a drought for, for months, in fact years. And, and Elijah comes along and says, okay, time out. Let's get this settled. King Ahab, you gather all of your prophets. You bring them to this mountaintop. And I will be there. And we'll see whose God is the real God. And so Ahab calls all of these prophets. And they gather at this mountaintop, Mount Carmel. And, and they do this fire offering. I love this. This is one of my favorite stories. Because, because Elijah says, okay, you guys go first, you prophets of Baal. You go first and tell you what. Here, pile the wood up, cut up the cow, put it on the offering, and, and, then, and then get Baal to light the fire. So he sits back. 
And so they start chanting and praying to Baal and said, light this fire. Come on, baby, light my fire. I, I'd probably not, but something like that. And they, they pray and they pray and they chant and, and nothing happens. So they do this again. They pray and they pray and they chant and nothing happens. And, and I, I just love Elijah. He, he'd be my kind of guy. He could play on my team. He would trash talk him. He says, oh, maybe, maybe Baal is, is having a nap. Maybe this isn't a good time for him. And so it says that they pray and pray more. They even cut their wrists, their arms, so the blood will flow to get Baal to hear them, to come down and light the altar there. And it doesn't happen, so he trash talks them some more. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe this isn't a good time for him. Finally, Elijah says, time out. Okay, you've had your chance. Now let me show you who the great God is. And so they have the offering there on this pile of wood. And, and uh, I can just see Elijah thinking, you know, this really isn't fair. You have 450 prophets and, and it's just me here. Really isn't fair. Tell you what, let's do something about it. Bring some water, some buckets of water, and pour it on the wood here. I mean, I, I need to be fair here. It really isn't fair, so pour it on the wood there. They do that. He says, oh, get some more. Bring it here and pile it on the wood some more. Pour it on there. Hey, oh, that's not enough. Let me do it one more time. Get some more buckets. Pile it. I mean, the trough was filled with water. The wood was soaking wet. Elijah prays, God, show them who you are. And the fire leaps up. Isn't God good? Isn't God amazing? You see, the difference in all of this is, are we going to be obedient or not? And it says, Elijah turned to the people and said, you know, you've played around enough. It is time for you to decide. Are you going to follow the great God that I serve? Or are you going to follow the gods of humans? Today, you have to make a decision. And the same is true with us. The decision is ours. You know, do you ever play around with God? You know, do you ever try to trick God? You know, I think sometimes maybe I can get away with things and God won't know it. Does that work? Hasn't worked for me. Or other times I think, you know, if, if I, I, I'm, no, I'm not telling you all my thing. Never mind. <laughs> Anybody want to share their thing? No, never mind. You see, we play around with God. And we think we can get away with it. Joshua would say, Elijah would say, today, today, you make a decision as to who you will follow. And I would say to you as a church, you need to make that decision. I would say to you as individuals, you need to make a decision. Will you be obedient? Or will you be disobedient? And with any decision that you make, there will follow consequences. Whether you follow the God of Elijah and Joshua 
or if you follow the gods of Baal and the people, there will be consequences. You're right? You got it? For every action, there will be a reaction. For every decision, there will be a consequence. For today, you must decide. For me and my family, we chose to follow God. What about you? Let's pray.